London is not just some city. Its spirit stands outside of time. Certain places have influenced its citizens. It is not only a setting, but a presence, a character in various films, novels and poems. My name is Philip Rutgers and I search for London's spirit. Follow me into a secret world. Follow me to London beyond time and place. This podcast is based on my YouTube series, Talks Beyond Time and Place. Hello everybody to Talks Beyond Time and Place. Uh, my name is Philipp Röttgers and my guest today is Richard Jones. Hello Richard. Good, good day. Uh, Richard Jones is one of London's leading walking tour guides, if I may say so. Uh, he started in uh, 1982, I found out, uh, which is not that long ago actually. Not that long ago, just a few years, just a few yeah, years. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I think you're a Blue Badge tour guide also. Yep. And uh, you're an author, you're a broadcaster. Uh, you've written, I believe, over 20 or even 30 books on various subjects. I, from. I, uh, yeah, over, over 20. I've not made quite made the 30 yet. <laughs> oh, soon. I think they you will reach <laughs> that, them soon. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, on various subjects uh, from Jack the Ripper to Charles Dickens to Haunted London uh, to Haunted Britain and he appears regularly on international television uh, as an expert on these topics and uh, I believe you're also a lecturer on the course for training new guides if I'm correct. I, well I was yes I'm not, oh, yes. not anymore but I, okay. I, I was I did I did that for five years. Yeah. Oh yeah nice okay so welcome Richard thank you for joining us. Um, There was only a very brief glimpse uh, into what you do and what you've done in the last uh, thir last 38 years. Uh, but my first question is, are you a born Londoner? No, surprisingly, uh, and I think you find lots of people who do guide in, guiding in London, yes. uh, I suppose in any city, aren't necessarily natives to that city. Because I think if you're a native to a city, you take it for granted. Yeah. Whereas if you come new to a city, then there's a specialness. You can see that the outsider always sees the good in a place. Yeah, I've, I've heard that already from, from various people now and from, from various tour guides. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine. So where do you come from? If, if you don't I originally came, I'm, I'm, I was born and bred in Stoke-on-Trent, which was oh, in, the, uh, in the Midlands. Oh, I see. Uh, but I've lived in London since late 1977. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more of a Londoner than I ever was a Potter. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. So, um, yeah, as I said, you've been doing your tours for almost uh, 40 years now, which nobody of our viewers will, will believe when they look at you. But, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, too kind, yeah, too you, kind. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> uh, can you tell us how and when you decided to become a tour guide? Yes, in fact, uh, it was, a, a, very, it was a, a strange way into it, actually, because um, I came to London, as I said, in 1977, and I got a job in the civil service. And, and I worked for the Office of Fair Trading as a clerical assistant, and I absolutely hated it. It was, <laughs> it was just so dull and so boring. And uh, so I, I, I was there for 18 months, and then I decided, and this was the time that the punk rock uh, movement was on in London. Yeah. So I decided to leave and become a punk folk singer. Uh, I, I actually used to perform at the Troubadour, oddly enough, the, the, the club in Earl's Court or the, the the coffee bar in Earl's Court yeah and they used to have a Monday night session where you could go along and just perform so I went I went along there and performed uh, and then I left the civil service to become a punk a punk folk singer 
Uh, Which you, yeah, you're not today. You you haven't done it. No, I I I I had a higher opinion of my abilities than most other people did, <laughs> and uh, so so then I went and worked in a shipping company for for a few months, uh, and then I saw an advert for postmen, uh, mailmen in the city of London, and mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I could uh, that'd be a nice job, so I uh, applied for the job, and I I got and um, I got taken on as a postman in. King Edward Building, which is now Bank of America Merrill Lynch, mm -hmm. but it was right by St. Paul's Cathedral. So my area was the area in the city of London. And I started seeing all these places and I thought these are really interesting. So in those days, being a postman was a fantastic job because you got so much free time. The unions were very strong and you only had to do like an hour work, but then you got two hours off. <laughs> so, yeah. so I spent my two hours off in the Guildhall Library learning all about London. Uh, and then I used to talk to the postman about it, saying, you know, that's, that's such and such a place. And the postman was, were quite interested in the stories that I would tell. And then one of them, or two of them came up to me and said, look, we've got some friends coming over from America. Would you take us round one day? So ah. I said, we'll do that. And so I took them round and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't even know you could do this for a career there. <laughs> And yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I thought that was something that university lecturers did when they retired or teachers did when they retired. <laughs> and uh, uh, and they liked it. And then, so one day I put an advert in Time Out uh, for a, a ghost walk. Oh, oh. Haunted, it was called Haunted City, it was called. Yeah. And I did that from Bank. And 18 people turned up on that walk. And, uh, and I just loved it. Uh, and I thought, so I thought, I'll do this full time. So I left the post office and I've done this ever since. And, and you was, do it. I say that was, Sorry, that was 1982. Yeah, and I've been yeah. going since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, 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 you're doing it wonderfully. I mean, I did a, a ghost walk with you. Is it still the same walk as as it was back then? No, it uh, <laughs> it's changed an awful lot since back then. Okay. Uh, in those days, when I, I was younger then, so I could I could walk further. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no, it used to, t I mean, I was so enthused by it. I mean, it would take me two and a half, three hours to do, do the walk. Mm. Uh, and then I, I, I start changing. And the thing with the ghost stories is ghost stories. And well, I think any story really, it evolves over time. So it's basically uh, my, my uh, initially I was, I was more sort of a factual guide. I liked, you know, artifacts, but then gradually I, I, I came to the story, the storytelling became okay. the strong thing I, I saw the strength in. Yes. Uh, so I started working on the stories, making them more dramatic. And yes. uh, uh, and then when I wrote my first book on on ghosts was Walking Haunted London. And I remember sending it in to the editor. And the editor sent it back and said, oh, it's not very, very atmospheric, is it? Because I tried to be factual. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I, I, I went free reign and I started hamming it up in the in the text. And they said, oh, we love this. So uh, uh, and that, 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 that got me. So, so then the storytelling became an in integral, which I think ghost ghost walk should be yeah uh, you know you, you don't just want boring in this stage but you know you, you want a good story uh, right and so, so that's it and then of course different tours are different so dickens is a different thing to the to the ghost tour as jack the ripper is different as well uh but yeah. it's uh, so i i i i try and change or not change the the locations because i think i've got the locations now which but I try and find out more about the stories so yeah. I'll get told new stories and updated versions and I incorporate them oh yeah so it never gets it gets boring you you always find new new things to explore and, and yeah yes and because of what I do because I'm I, I've got to know a lot of people in the area uh, where I do my walks I get told stories by them they'll come out there's a security guard who will come out all the time and say yeah yeah gotta tell you <laughs> now never guess what happened last night I was in the office <laughs> 
Great, <laughs> and I get yeah. I get these fantastic updates, and then I'll say, "Oh, put that on the walks." <laughs> so, yeah, that's, so yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. So uh, you you already mentioned uh, Dickens and and Jack the Ripper, of course. You you have a, a wide range of of tours and and topics. Uh, so. Is, I, I think you also did uh, Shakespeare and, and you do Inns of Court and uh, Inns of Inns of Court, Court. Yeah. yes, sorry, uh, the Beatles and even Harry Potter, I think. And uh, yeah. so is there any aspect or part of London that you do not cover or do not know? No, in fact, I, 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 I do the whole of London. Uh, I mean, there are certain places where, yeah, uh, I mean, to me, uh, the, uh, the route is as is important as the facts, because yeah. I think you have to have a really good route that... Uh, Every time your group turns the corner, I want the group to go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that there's something there that catches their eye. And I think every corner turn should have a moment. Uh, I, call it, oh, I call it the nod factor, which is when oh, yeah. people, uh, yeah, people turn a corner and they, they turn to the person next to them, they nod and they, yeah, I'm so glad I found this. <laughs> and it's, uh, uh, so I think uh, every tour should, the, the route is, is, is as much a part of the tour as the stories and the facts are. Yes. Uh, so I do that. But there are parts of London where you can't do that so much. I mean, for a, a, a classic example is Sherlock Holmes, because Sherlock Holmes is so difficult to do as a tour because uh, for two reasons. First, the Baker Street has only got a few Sherlock Holmes locations. Mm. But of course, Baker Street is what everybody associates with Sherlock Holmes. Right, yeah. Uh, so it's a tricky one to pull off because, you know, you've got to do, um, you know, you, you have to sort of, uh, there's a lot of muse behind it. So, uh, whereas the best Sherlock Holmes route is round Piccadilly, uh, Pall Mall, Strand, uh, round there, because yeah. you've got so many but if you don't do it from Baker Street, a lot of people think, oh, what's wrong with that? Then? There's, right. not, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing there. But you can include the, the Sherlock Holmes pub. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's the nice. that Yeah, that's the beauty of doing Piccadilly. You can do the Sherlock Holmes pub. You right. can do the uh, Athenaeum, which is where Mycroft was a member of and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they, but the, the other problem with Sherlock Holmes is very few people have actually read the stories. Yes. They've, they've seen it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but they haven't read the stories. Yeah. So when you're talking about the Blue Carbuncle or the Naval Treaty at Charing Cross at the Charing Cross Hotel, uh, you often you often get blank looks from people. Uh, I I find this a lot with European student groups mm. that uh, they'll book a Sherlock Holmes tour and I'll start talking about Blue Carbuncle or Naval Treaty, and they think. But when when do we get to Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, I mean, you could do a tour uh, around the, the the filming locations, maybe. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, that that that's the thing. I mean, uh, but again, the filming locations are spread out, uh, yeah. which makes so it's it's an underground tour. Uh, you have to go about bus and underground because I mean, the, the big one was by Saint Bartholomew's Hospital. You had the uh, uh, the phone box uh, that was uh, where he ju he jumped and mm. and that phone box became a mecca for Sherlock Holmes fans from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although it's gone now, the phone sadly the phone box is no more. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they've rebuilt. But of course, Speedy's Calf's still there up off uh, Euston Road. And uh, yeah, but but I I read that they they are gonna they're gonna close it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many places uh, this year have yeah. uh, fallen victim to COVID. And uh, yeah, sure. So London's going to probably be a very different place. Pubs, pubs are closing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pubs that won't be open again. This, yeah. So I think COVID has generally it's gen generally changed the landscape as it has in any many places right. in the world. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this is also a bit of, of typically for for the London spirit, the, the constant change in a way. I mean, yeah. this is 
typically typical for London. Yeah. Well, that's beauty. As you capture so well in your book, that uh, the, the constant change of London, that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, and I think that's the thing. L London's a spiritual place. It's, uh, yeah. it's a place, you know, you, you can get under the skin of London in a way you can't, uh, there's not many cities that you really can immerse yourself in uh, yes. the way you can in London. That's um, true. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so you, you basically say, I wanted to ask how you develop your tours, but you basically explained that a little bit. I mean, the route is important, but you have to find certain places that, you know, fit into a story that, that fits the topic of the tour. And I think the, uh, I read on, on your homepage, the, the Harry Potter tour, you, you did a Harry Potter tour or a Harry Potter guide basically this this came from a trip to the city with your family right it did it did uh i did uh, uh i mean my my my, my, my I, i call them my kids but they're in their 20s now so they're, they're both at university but when the harry potter films came out we basically used to go we used to watch a film uh, and I'm the worst person to watch a film with, uh, especially if the film's got a London location. And my, my kids, uh, they hate watching films with me. Because <laughs> uh, I'll be going, oh, it's, it's, it's that location. And they go, dad, shut up, all right? <laughs> But with Harry Potter, it's quite nice because I, 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 I'd see the location. I think, oh, I know that location. And it actually came out of the fact that um, I, 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 we'd watch the films and I'd take them around. And then... My, my eldest son, Thomas, was doing The Great Fire of London when he was mm. in, in uh, primary school. And as it so happened, uh, I'd, when I was doing my ghost walk one Saturday night, there were three night buses parked up around Bank Station. And they were filming the, you know, the night bus scene where the night bus drives through London. Yeah. And they actually had three night buses for that scene where the, the, when they go through the junctions and everything. Uh, and a couple of his friend's parents said, you know, could when you go and do The Great Fire, would you take... Uh, Our, our kids with you so I said yeah no problem so I took them out and we were coming back through Leadenhall Market and I just mentioned to one of the kids that I'd seen the night bus <laughs> when I was in London yeah. and he said well is it real then <laughs> I said no no I said they were filming I said I said if you look there and this was in Leadenhall Market I said that was the leaky cauldron in the yeah. first Harry Potter film and they went wow and I thought do you know what you could actually do quite a nice tour of this now what I didn't want to do with Harry Potter was because it was it was like a A family thing it was something we'd done as a family mm. so I thought well I don't really want to charge for it mm. because uh, so I put this online free print off Harry Potter tour that yeah. did a full day in London because it suddenly struck me that we could actually go to London for a day and not spend a penny apart from maybe for lunch but yeah. you know not spend a fortune on on stuff and if you take a packed lunch there's plenty of parks so I thought I'll put that together for family so I did a downloadable uh, tour and uh, and you know and it went really well so, so you yeah. know people people downloaded it i used to get thank you emails off people and say you know oh thanks for that and, yeah. uh, and it, so it's almost part of you know we the kids grew up with it because when the first one came out they were maybe four three or four and uh, and of course going right through to the last one then they were just gone into their teens uh, yes. by which time they, they didn't want to go around with me anymore <laughs> <laughs> but I used to make them. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think this is a, a great idea, a wonderful idea, especially uh, for, for a family to, to spend a day like that and have the opportunity yeah. to, to visit these locations. I think this is a really nice, nice idea. So um, was there something like in, on all your tours and all these years, like the, the most surprising fact that you've learned about London or the, 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 the okay. most in, interesting story that you've heard or, or learned? Or is there, maybe you can't say one, there was one particular thing. I don't know. Do you know, there, there are so many, there are so many 
places in London where, where you just think, oh, that's fantastic story. But there are certain locations. I mean, for example, my, uh, one of my favorite, which I, which I honestly didn't know until uh, a few years ago, was that St. John's Churchyard in, ha in uh, Hampstead, mm -hmm. where you've got, the over you've got an overschool burial ground there. And Peter Pan is buried in that churchyard. And it's the grave of the Llewellyn Davis family, who were the Lost Boys that J.M. Barry based, uh, or the, the boys that Peter, uh, the Peter Pan, uh, he told the story to. But the entire family, their parents, were buried in St. John's Overspill Burial Ground. And, and it's like a little Peter Pan corner, because you've got the, um, you've got the Llewellyn Davis grave, and then next to that, you've got the uh, de Maria grave, uh, George de Maria and his son, Sir Gerald de Maria. Now, Sir Gerald de Maria was the first person to play Captain Hook on stage oh. at the Duke of York's Theatre. Okay, yeah. Uh, and he's buried next to what is the grave of Peter Pan. But the reason that he's buried next to them is because Sylvia Llewellyn Davis, who was the mother of the boys, is in fact his sister. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she was actually uh, Sylvia de Maria before she married uh, uh, Arthur, Arthur Llewellyn Davis. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you, you've got, so, so that, that was one thing, that, that was a surprise. But I mean, this year, for example, I've been going around filming London. I've been, yes, I know. It's a fantastic, yeah, it's a fantastic time to film it because there's no, yeah. there's nobody there. So, right. And you can get locations that you can't normally get. I, I mean, yeah. what, what, what you do, I, I think you really, through these videos that you did in the last month, uh, you really managed to take people back to London uh, uh, with these, these videos. And also, uh, uh, yeah, I was wondering, uh, uh, how do you choose these locations? Do, you, do yeah. you know the places or do you research them and, and then get to know them? What, what I've been doing, quite, quite a few of them I know already, so I, I do the locations. But uh, certainly quite a few of them, what I've done is I, I've thought, I just want to go and explore. I'm just going to go and explore. So, for example, I'll go to an area like Easter, like I, I would go down to Do Docklands and I'll just mm -hmm. walk. Uh, so I'll make my way around Docklands and I'll think, wow. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, you make some fantastic, I mean, that's the great thing about London. That you can, if, if you just, if you get lost in London, you make some amazing discoveries. Right. Uh, and that's, that's what I like to do. And it's, uh, I mean, I found one of the narrow, the narrow house, which was this tiny, this house is about six feet across with all the flats in it. And I think it's incredible. And, um, and then the area down by Docklands that I've never been to before. Right. Uh, where you've got the lighthouse, you've got all the artworks and everything. And, and you found the uh, little shipwreck. Uh, yeah, I was looking yeah. for the postcard with the with the books with the, with the shipwreck on it. Yeah. yeah, that 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 was just amazing, and and I would have missed that. But I was walking up. Funnily enough, I was doing the blog on the uh, Princess Alice disaster mm -hmm. of 1878. So that's what that came from because I went down to film the area where the where the ship had been uh, where the boat had gone down, uh, or the steamer had gone down, and uh, I was just walking around, getting it from all different angles. And because of that, I was jumping down onto the shoreline and yeah. you know clambering down. Uh, and then I spotted this this <laughs> this ruined barge. Just it was just, and it's completely at high tide. It's completely submerged, but at low tide, it's got all the grass. And I thought, wow, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. And luckily, it was low tide, so I saw it. And I just went down onto onto. And to me, that that that's more special than St Paul's. You know, walking around St Paul's and the well-known sites. Yes. Because there's no one there, and, and you know, and then people you find there are fit, you know, anglers. So you find the anglers, and so you can go and have a nice chat with the. <laughs> Listen, and they all tell you about. Oh, I caught this. I caught that today. I caught yeah. I got, yeah. There, I got, <laughs> got <an> eel. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, that, that's been. I also think this is this is even more special than you, as you said, walking around in in St. Paul's uh, or yep. things like that. I, I agree. Do you know how how old this this shipwreck is? 
Okay. No, uh, I, I, the only thing I can find out about it is what's on the, uh, the there's, a, there's a, a website called Derelict London. And they just encountered it on a, uh, on a, when they were doing a walk along there. Oh, yeah. So they, they came basically like I did. They just came across it. <laughs> uh, they, they just identified as, as a, I think as a, as a Thames, um, a Thames lighter barge. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it is or not, I don't know. So, I, I mean, I'd love to know more about it. But uh, at the moment, I can't because all the um, all the, the local study places are closed. So I yeah, can't. Sure. So, so and, and whether there would be anything there. But I, I think the nice thing like that is it, it leaves it to your imagination to sort of imagine what it was. So I've, I've got this yeah. colourful, you know, I think it was a, pi a pirate ship. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes. Got... Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You can imagine all, all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. When, when you when you see yeah. it, it can yeah. be what you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Definitely. So um, you you don't do tours on the, on the streets right now, right? You only do them. In, you only do virtual we, tours right now. I started doing the tours around the streets again in July, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, and then uh, and then Boris closed. We got closed down again. So it's yeah. uh, so what we've decided now to do is because. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what it's like in Germany, but I, I honestly think come, we're meant to be coming out of it on the 2nd of December, but they still haven't said how we will be coming out of it. <laughs> I, th I think it will be longer here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think we will, but yeah, we'll see. There's, there's nothing sure, so. Yeah, and they're talking here now that they're gonna, they're gonna relax it over Christmas for five days. Yeah. But because of that, we're gonna have to have an extended lockdown in January for 25 days. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see where where all this all this leads, but yeah. Sorry. Well, the interesting thing is that we are we are. It probably doesn't seem seem it to us because it's such a pain and it's you know so disruptive, but we are actually living through history. We do, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're as we, good as I, living through the Great Plague or the uh, right or cholera epidemics. Right. I said this to to a couple of of, of friends already. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm not that. Um, the situation doesn't really affect me in, in, in that much in, in a way I can work from home and, and everything's yeah. fine. Uh, so I, 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 from my point of view, I, I can say that I, I find it really interesting to be part of this, of, of, uh, of, of this year, of this part of history, because as you say, this is history. One day we can say we've, we've lived through this yeah. pandemic yeah. Uh, and, and we've been there. Yeah. So I think children, this is really children interesting. Will be they will be studying this in years to come. They'll be right, looking yeah. back and they'll be... Yeah. I always right. remember my, my, my youngest son, he came home from school about, uh, about six years ago. And he came, he came home from school and he said, Dad, he said, do you remember Live Aid? <laughs> and I said, William, I'm, not only do I remember it, I had a ticket and I was there. And he went, were you? And I said, <laughs> yeah. I, st I was at Live Aid. And he went, oh. I said, why, why are you asking? He said, we're doing it in history. And I went, no, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> It's not history. Yeah. That's my that's my that's my youth. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is already this is already history. I mean, yeah. even I, when I look back, I've, I I lived when 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 nine eleven uh, happened. Yeah. So this is also something. I mean, we we weren't really affected by it. We weren't yeah. really there, but it was during our lifetime. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was that strange period. Yeah, and it was, right. uh, and it is. I mean, years to come. You, I said to my sons, you'll be able to make a living in years to come, being a talking head on those documentaries. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, definitely. So, um, coming back to, back to the tours for for a moment, I, uh, uh, was there something like like uh, the strangest moment uh, on a, on a tour, the strangest thing that that happened during a tour, maybe? Uh, oh, oh, there's been there's been so many, but th there is one uh, that really does stick in my mind, and it was um, 
it was on a ghost walk, funnily enough, uh, which very aptly. And there's a story I tell on my Friday night ghost tour of, uh, it's called the Cripplegate Ghost. It's mm -hmm. about a lady who suffered with narcolepsy. I, I know the, uh, the story. Yes. Yeah, and I was down, I, and I was walking. I was doing that tour. Uh, it was, I think, about two thousand and nine, but it's certainly you know over twelve years ago now. And uh, I was doing it by the church, Saint Saint Giles Cripplegate. And I, I finished the story, and we walked away. And the girl came over. She said, uh, "There's a lady who's been taken ill." <laughs> and uh, so I went back. I went over to her, and she was sitting on the wall. And she was, she wasn't there. She was completely out of it. And I was saying, are you all right? You're all right. And she, she just didn't answer. She was just sitting there. Her eyes were just, so we, we, we got her down into the recovery position and then phoned, phoned, uh, phoned an ambulance. Yes. And uh, the, um, we waited and then the ambulance turned up uh, and took her away to hospital. And because we do a booking system, we've got the number, you know, we have people's numbers. So I phoned, I phoned the number that she, I asked who, who's it booked under because mm. uh, she was with her daughter. Okay. So I phoned her daughter the next day and I said, Is she, she, yeah, she said, it's really weird. She said, uh, they got her to hospital, she said, and she was completely out of it. Mm. Uh, and she said, uh, so she was taken to hospital and she was completely gone. But, but the funny thing was her eyes were open. Uh, I mean, that was it. She was just sitting there just looking, yeah. but it was there. And she said, and no sooner we got to hospital, then she suddenly just came round and couldn't remember anything of, of, the, la of the, the two hours up until that point. Uh, and it was so weird. It was at the point where I was telling the story about a woman who'd gone yeah. into the narcoleptic trance. So, yes. so I think that, that's, that's the weirdest thing. That's certainly the weirdest thing that's, that's happened on a tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about uh, maybe something that happened on a ghost tour. But yeah, this yeah. is definitely the, the, the weirdest thing. Um, so would you encourage others to do what you do, tour guiding and, and doing this, these kind of things? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I would say to people, it's a, it's a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there are times yeah, with any job, there's the times when you look out of the window and it's pouring with rain and, yeah, and it's freezing cold and you think, oh, really? But no, when, once you get there, I mean, the point is there's not many jobs where uh, people are pleased to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, all the time people have come out to sort of experience stuff to learn stuff from you yeah. uh, to listen to you when you're a narcissist it's a fantastic job because pe <laughs> pe people just people just want to listen to you and, uh, and and you go so you take them around and it's 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 delightful it, it's such a fantastic job and uh, and of course uh, now as we move more te technologically uh, as we go into uh, things get more technological uh people people still like the old human touch and i yes. think uh, uh, that's one thing I, i think machines will never take over from us the the ability to tell stories uh, yes. that we have it artificial intelligence will never be able to do it because it will never be able to get the emotional response that you can get from telling a story well uh, so if you like agree. telling stories if you like people it's a fantastic job because if you don't like people it's a terrible job <laughs> yeah but then you probably don't don't even think about doing it so. yeah yeah but yeah um and what kind of people attend your tours i mean londoners or, or tourists mainly or um, school class? I, i get 
yeah, I get people from uh, all, all walks of life, all nationalities. Uh, I, uh, I can be doing one, one day I can be, I mean, in a day I could be doing a, a group of American students doing Dickens in the morning. I can do an afternoon where I might take a group of uh, 12 year olds who are doing maybe Dickens Christmas Carol on that. On the, uh, and then in the evening I can, might do a group of sort of uh, a stag party where, where people are, I'll get people from uh, London. I get people from all over England. I get people from all over Europe. Uh, I get people from Amer Americans, Australians, New Zealanders, yeah. Japanese. Uh, it's just fantastic, and it's uh, and it's amazing because you you get you get to sort of see different you know, different custom, you know, how, how different people interact. But I think the nice thing is we've all got humanity, yes, and and that's such a fantastic link between us all. And uh, and I think no matter what nationality, you are, I think that's one of the pities with Brexit over here that it's made England very sort of. Uh, we're, we're now that island. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. independent, and I think that's going to be a sad thing. Uh, that that for, I think for a few years there's going to be because uh, I mean there's almost no doubt now that it, it it's going to go horribly wrong for us. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's and there's no doubt, and we're going to be looking for somebody to blame. I mean, it's the blame game's already happening. Oh, it's yeah. those nasty Europeans. They they just won't let us have what we want. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, well, why would they? You know. <laughs> We, we we it's like say it's like getting divorced and saying uh oh you know they she won't let me have what i want right yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah good comparison yeah yeah. Good. yeah um um sorry well ah you you're even uh, um you you also uh, had some some celebrity guests on on your tours didn't you I have over the years. I mean, I I I am the world's worst for for celebrity spotting. I I don't I I don't I, I don't recognize people. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm, this is a long long time ago now. But Joan Rivers uh, oh. turned up on one of my tours, and uh, she uh, she was fantastic. Uh, you know, she I, and I, I I couldn't work out. I didn't recognize her, and I didn't know why all these people were photographing this woman on my tour. Who's she? Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah, and it was only when we got to the pub halfway through that someone said, uh, "Do you know you've got Joan Rivers on your tour?" And I said, "Really." <laughs> and I said, so, so I went down, sure, who's Jay? It was Joan Rivers. And uh, and at the end of it, she came and she said, oh, she said, I did, she said, I did enjoy it. She said, but, you know, uh, I, I don't like, she said, I don't mind it, but it's all the photographs. She said, do you do private tours? So she, so whenever she was in London, she was, she was very into ghosts. She loved ghost stories. And uh, there's a, there's a, a location that she was really fond of, which is the Viaduct Tavern opposite the Old Bailey. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she used to sort of book me. I used to have to wait whenever she was in London. She'd book a ghost walk with me. Yeah. And we had to start in the cellars of the Viaduct Tavern because uh, she used to love going there. And I, I, I knew the landlord very well then. So I could call him at midnight and say, <laughs> can, can we come in? And he said, yeah, no problem. So we'd go in, we'd go out to the cellars at midnight. And then we'd do these early hour mornings. Uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. I've taken him around on a tour. Uh, a few others as well, but... Uh, uh, my my my, my that, memory isn't what it was. <laughs> I, I think you've had Green Day on a tour also. Oh <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, I, I took. They booked me for a Jack the Ripper tour in um, uh, about two thousand. It was when that the second Live Aid happened. It was they were over oh, yeah. for the, the second Live Aid. So whenever whatever year that was, uh, a couple uh, of years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, about two thousand and six, mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah, Something I got like a phone that. call. Yeah, yeah, Warner Brothers phoned me up and they or the record <laughs> uh, label. They phoned me up and said, uh, "Would you take a tour? Can we book a tour for you this evening?" I said, yeah, no problem. And he said, uh, he said, it's the group Green Day. I'd never heard of them. Oh, ne okay. I'd never heard of Green Day. And I mentioned it. I said to my wife, I said, uh, we got, <laughs> I've got some some group called Green Day, you know, probably just uh, a new signing away. She said, Green Day? <laughs> and everyone I met, I said, I'm taking Green Day around tonight. They went, Green Day? 
it. And it was really strange because I, I uh, they, they they filmed it actually. For, they were doing a film of their time in London. Oh, okay. Uh, so the director met me first and said, "Look, uh, uh, actually, I can't even remember their names now. Uh, is it Billy? <laughs> yeah, uh, said, Billy, uh, Billy Joel Armstrong, I think. Yeah, yeah. But he like said, well, I want you to go up to him and say hi. You know." I, went, oh, oh. I said, well, which one is he? <laughs> uh, but it was it was the strangest tour I've ever done because we passed a few other tours uh, oh, when I was with yeah. them. And all the all the people from that tour were swinging around, coming, chasing us, trying to get photographs of it. Yeah. So that was. A... I'm, I'm going to maybe it's up on YouTube. I'm going to I'm going to have a look. Yeah. As I say, it was. A, yeah, so... it was. It was a, It's a great, it's a great evening. I mean, they, they were they were lovely. I mean, they were they, they were fantastic and, uh, yeah. and and really interested in the history as well. That that was that was the great thing because you know so, sometimes fine people aren't you know they go oh, well yeah I'm just doing it <laughs> to say I've done it. But it's a great tour also. So maybe yeah. So yeah. So where where did you where did you meet Bruce Dickinson? I, I think you did a program. He came together. on the Ghost Walk with me. Yeah, we we did a little pro uh, we we did a a program that ended up not getting commissioning. But it was it was to be called um, what was it called? Great British was it Great British Ghosts or uh, Ghosts of Britain? Mm -hmm. But it was it was it's subtitled Ghoul, Ghoul Britannia. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and it was uh, yeah. But he came on the he, he came on the Ghost Walk one night, and then we went off on um, and then we did we did a few meetups in Chiswick Churchyard uh, yeah. uh, to to film the film there. Uh, and he's he's fantastic. I mean, he was t totally unlike you know. He just he had none of the ego that, that you would think someone like that would have yeah and uh, he's also he's a commercial airline pilot as well so i remember I know, one yeah. time he, t he turned up he just he'd just flown back from i think it was iceland he'd just <laughs> flown back from and he met us and he still had his pilot <laughs> but then he changed into the leather rock star jacket <laughs> and it was incredible but yeah but lovely man absolutely lovely man yeah yeah I mean, I'm a big fan, so I can imagine yeah. he was a was a was a lovely man. Yeah, and and I think he lived in Chiswick. I don't think he yeah, lived. he did. Yeah, he's got a house and he lives in Chiswick. Yeah. Yeah, I think he moved to Paris this year, but I'm not quite sure. Oh, he might. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, um, in the introduction, I, I already also mentioned that you you're also a writer and uh, you've you've written quite a lot of books. So, how how this did that start? How and when did you start writing? Well, do you know that that's another. Uh, I, I'm one of those people. I've been very lucky in life. Uh, I'd love to say that I, I, I spent hours alone in my garret, sort of, uh, you know, lonely uh, years of <laughs> years of struggling to get by. Uh, but the the way that came about was that I uh, I, I got approached uh, by from from us in New York, uh, who had, then had the, the they used to do the sort of dollar a day guide, and they wanted to do a book on walking tours. Uh, and I'd got to know some of them quite well because I'd, I'd done a, a trip to New York mm. uh, and, and I'd met uh, jo Joan Schechter, who was in charge of uh, From a Holidays in the, in the mid-1980s. And, uh, and she actually took my tours on and put them in their brochure. And in consequence, one of the people who was writing the guide also worked for From a Holidays, holidays and they wanted to do a, a book of walking tours. So they came, they, they contacted me, they said, would you, would you write the book for us? And I thought, yeah, okay. So, so I wrote the book and done that. Uh, and that got me then into New Holland, who then approached me to write Walking Haunted London. Uh, and, that, and that was quite a big success, actually. That became quite a, quite a good seller in 1999 when it came out. Mm -hmm. It became a big seller. And so on the back of that, they commissioned me to write a whole series of Haunted Britain books, uh, Haunted Britain Island, then Haunted Castles, Haunted Houses, Haunted Inns. 
and it was absolutely fantastic because it was just going yeah. off and, uh, and and writing. So uh, so yeah, I, I, and then they said, well, "We like those books. Would you do one on Jack the Ripper for us?" And then would you do? And then I had lunch with the commissioning editor one day, and she she just happened to mention that they were they were they were doing a Dickens book and they'd got someone to write a Dickens book uh, for them. And I, I, I begged, I, I almost went down <laughs> on my knees and I said, oh, can I do it, please? I just want, yeah, I'd just love to do a Dickens book. And she relented and she said, all right, we'll give it to you then. <laughs> so right. I got the yeah. Dickens book. But it was just uh, all, all pure luck of the writing. But uh, um, I like to think I'm good at it, but uh, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, 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 I'm one of those people though. I, I much prefer the research to the writing. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, yeah it's a great progress uh, process too so yeah I, yeah I agree with that yeah yeah and it's one of those things the people you meet you know i mean i island was fantastic i mean i just love island and going around gathering the stories from uh, you know when irish people tell you their stories you know you don't get just in england you'll get the sort of clipped uh, oh, mm. I, no, I saw a ghost yeah in ireland you'll get the whole you'll get the whole story uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and embellished over a few Guinnesses. It's fantastic. Yes, 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 yes. I, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, during during quarantine, you, you wrote the diaries of uh, the diary of Richard Pepys, which was uh, received very well by your readers, I think. Uh, you've continued it, I think, uh, the, the, over the last weeks. And uh, I did. I, any I, plans to, to continue it further or even publish it? One day, yeah, I, 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 I return to him every so often. I've got another instalment to come up. It, it just came about. Um, it was it was over here when uh, when the pandemic was beginning, yeah. and uh, Boris was being urged to close down all the pubs, and uh, and he was he was saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm not going to close pubs yet. Well, we'll close them maybe next week." And uh, yeah, and I thought, where have I heard this before? <laughs> and it suddenly struck me that it was it was it was almost from Pepys's diary when the Lord Mayor Thomas Bloodworth refused to accept. That the fire, the Great Fire of London, yeah. was as serious as, as it turned out to be, and he dithered, and that dithering co cost London basically. Because uh, had he acted firmly there and then, then the fire would have been extinguished in the early stages. But because he dithered, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, that's exactly what Boris has done. So I thought, right. fantastic. So I thought, I'll, 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 and I just did just one post on on you know Boris. I, I think I, the, it was the exact quote from Peeps. He, he cried like a fainting woman. Yeah. I am trying to close the pubs, but the people will not obey me. <laughs> so, so I put that, and that was well received. And then I thought, well, okay. So so I started adding to it, and it just oh, it just went bizarre because yeah. then, then I had the idea of having Donald Trump move in yeah. next door to me. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. And it was just, but it basically wrote itself because it was just, it, you know, it just. Every every time that Donald Trump opened his mouth or Boris Johnson opened his yes. mouth, I got new lines. It was fantastic because I didn't have to really write that much. Right? Yeah, <laughs> was... yeah, yeah. I can imagine it's it's quite easy to to write the next installment, as you say. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then Bor it. then Boris got ill, and I thought, well, I can't mock I can't mock him because he's it. You know, he's, 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 yeah, he's because he was quite seriously ill with it. Yeah. And I thought, uh, and I thought, well, I can't mock him over that. So so then it sort of fizzled out a while. But then I thought, now. I thought a lot's happened since since lockdown. Right. But funnily enough, reading back on the original ones, uh, it, the mentality in London's, I think people's mentality towards the virus has changed. I think people have now got to the stage where they've just had enough of it. Where, you yeah. know, where, when lockdown began, when it was happening in March, there was a sort of 
can-do spirit. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're all in this together. And remember, all, all the celebrities were on, on Zoom mm -hmm. playing their piano for us or yes. teaching us things or doing things. You don't get that anymore. They've, they've all gone back to their homes in the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody's fed up. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same all over the world, I think. But yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it's true. Um, and, and you've also done uh, now together with Adam Wood, uh, who's also a writer and uh, he's yes. the editor of the Ripperologist magazine or one of the editors, I think. Yeah. Uh, you did a series of books called Edgar's Walking Guides. Edgar's Walks, there they are. <laughs> and I think they're wonderful. Uh, I think four vo volumes are out. Uh, yeah. lead you through the Ripper's East End, through Dickens London, through Postman's Park and through Haunted London. And I was wondering if this idea if this came up from 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 the current situation or, or was this planned before the the virus came along no it came purely out of the virus out of the current situation uh adam's um, uh, he's, he's an excellent publisher he does mm. uh, he, he specializes in crime books and uh, although he has formed another section now which does uh, it's called little wing mm -hmm. and he does biographies of musicians and stuff like that so he's he's got a few uh, by a dj over here called kid jensen coming out next week uh, he's done Mike Batts. So he's done one by Mike Bat as well, uh, but he's a he's an ex-publisher. And I phoned him up one day and I said, uh, I, I mean, I've known Adam for years uh, from from various Ripper conferences, and I said to him, Adam, I said, you know, uh, why don't why don't we just form a company uh, and we'll do a series of books uh, of walking tours that can be walking tours, but you can also read them at home as well. And the next stage of that is, is the videos because they're coming out next week as well. So the videos of them are coming out yeah. so that people can read them, but they can also go and walk, go and walk the routes as well That's good. Uh, when, when, when things are closed down. But I wanted we wanted it to be as much about the, the walks that, you know, again, the, the ethos of the walking tour, the, the stories had to be good, but the routes had to be good as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and he, he loved the idea. So, so we, we worked, we actually wrote those four books in six weeks. Ooh, <laughs> we, yeah. It took us six weeks to write, but it's, uh, that's when I, I went out and filmed. That's when I was doing so much of the filming there. And, um, and basically the, 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 we, we came up with this, it was initially just going to be a guidebook. Uh, you know, we're, we're just going to do a series of guidebooks on this. And then one day I called Adam and said, you know what we need is we need, we need a name. Yes. <laughs> you know, that uh, we need like a figure like Charlie and Charlie's angels. Mm -hmm. uh, and Adam came up with the name Edgar. He said, yeah. oh, how about Edgar? And then he came out with that book. And we thought, well, who could Edgar be? And we thought, well, we'll, we'll make him sort of an Edwardian sort of person. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, and we'll give him this straw hat. Yeah. <laughs> there is, yeah. And so Adam came up with, Adam did that logo, actually. And he came up with that logo. And I loved it. I thought, that's fantastic. So, so we bought the domain Edgar's Guides and then formed the company. Uh, and then we, we, we've, uh, we, we've done the four. We've got another four going live next, uh, hopefully in January and February. Yeah. So it'll be Sherlock oh. Holmes, Shakespeare. I was wondering <laughs> exactly, yeah. What, what the next ones are going to be? And, yeah, and I was thinking about probably Sherlock Holmes, maybe Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. I was. We looked at yeah, we looked at Sherlock Holmes as the first one, uh, but he's he, he's he, he, it's a bit difficult. To, what we've decided with him is he's got to be. He can't just be a walking tour as Jack the Ripper is, because mm. uh, the Jack the Ripper tour. I, I have to say, I mean, uh, I, I I I was walk I walked it again on Wednesday to film it, 
And I, was, I, and I, I called Adam up. I said, you know, I'd forgotten because I, I wrote that one in July. I was walking that one in July. I said, I forgot because it is a though I say so myself, it's a lovely route. Yes. And I found things on that route. Uh, there's a sequence of cottages just off Hanbury Street called uh, Albert Cottages, Victoria Cottages. Mm -hmm. And when I found those, I didn't even, I, I mean, I've been walking the area for since 1982. I did not even know those cottages were there. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I, I phoned Adam from, I said, Adam, I said, this is brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, this is, This is this is very nice because yeah you, there's there's always more to ex explore and there's always more to yeah. find out you you probably never get get bored this is uh, yeah no you can, nice. you find places and all the cottages behind the London Hospital uh, and I found those and I thought wow fantastic and we thought well let's do it as though because nobody you know there have been guidebooks where they've written walks on Jet the Rivers London but nobody ever does the Whitechapel murders all mm. uh, because the, there's 11 Whitechapel murders victims so we thought let's do the 11 victims and then Dickens came we, we, we thought well we've got to do Dickens you know around the Inns of Court uh, and then uh, and then I've just phoned Adam up I said I've got a great well I've got a great idea I said it's a walk we don't have to go far on this one <laughs> we can do the whole walk in six uh, yeah <laughs> and that was of course Postman's Park yeah because the whole wall is there and yet you've got 52 stories <laughs> yeah but uh, this is a great idea uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like the the concept of of the book. Book. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to the to the next one definitely. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first time I uh, really noticed your name was uh, when my mother bought me this book from a trip to London, uh, and she bought it at the London Dungeon. And I think it's brilliant because there's also material in there, like like the the Ripper letters and and yeah. police reports. Uh, and that was the first time that I stumbled across the name of, of Richard Jones. And um, I think the Ripper Walk is also one of your earliest walks or the, the one you've yeah. done since, since back then. So uh, did you also, did you become a Ripper expert by, by doing these tours or have you been one before? No, I, purely through the tours. I was, uh, I was, I, 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 when, I, when I started the tours in 1982, my first one was the Ghost Walk, then I did Dickens. Uh, and I wasn't, I had no interest whatsoever in, I, I mean, I knew about Jack the Ripper, but I had no interest. I just thought, well, yeah, you know, it's grisly, gruesome murders and that's it. <laughs> so I had no interest. And then I started doing the tours. And when you do Dickens, inevitably, you come to the East End of London because Dickens was so, so immersed in the East End of London. Yeah. So I, I was doing Dickens there. And of course, when you start going to the East End of London, you start coming across Jack the Ripper. Uh, the two go hand in hand because in those days the what is now the Ten Bells pub was called the Jack the Ripper pub yeah, yeah. so I used to go and have a drink in there and stuff like that uh, and then I thought do you know this this would this, this be a great idea for a tour uh, and so I, 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 start, I started doing the Jack the Ripper tour and I'll be honest I mean I was, I was, I was very pedestrian about it I mean I just uh, I mean my, my original tour used to go from Tower Hill down to Whitechapel Station I used to do uh, it was a, it was a long tour Yeah, uh, sure. The council states, and then, uh, and uh, but then in 1987, I met Martin Fido, mm -hmm. and uh, I met him quite quite funnily enough. Uh, a friend of mine had actually gone to uh, Foyles, the bookshop on Charing Cross Road, and was just looking through the books and saw a new Jack the Ripper book uh, by Martin Fido, mm -hmm. The Crimes, Detection, and Death of Jack the Ripper, and he picked up the book and was was just flicking through it, and this chap stepped out from behind one of the bookshelves and said if you buy it I'll sign it and it was Martin Fido 
<laughs> Martin Funder. And I got into it. So he then uh, introduced Martin to me. And Martin then started doing guided tours for me. Uh, so he, we, we did that repertoire together. And it was then I met through Martin, I met Paul Begg, Keith oh, Skinner. Yeah. Uh, and got to know, uh, and we be all became really good friends. And we had many a curry on Friday night in, uh, yeah. in Brick Lane. And, <laughs> and Marty used to then go from those curries and go off and do Murder After Midnight uh, uh, on LBC Radio. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so from that, I started thinking, well, yeah. But what I learned very early on about Jack the Ripper was that it's not just about gruesome murder. It's about a whole, uh, if, if you like, it's like the coronavirus at the moment it's a period in history right where the world's media focuses on one one aspect and yeah. that's jack the ripper but it also exposes social conditions history police history uh so you can make of it what you wish to make of it it's the it's the story that just keeps on giving right yeah and i think this is also i mean your tour is still going strong and there there, there are so many ripper tours uh yeah. there yeah. seems to be such a huge demand which i think is incredible and uh, yeah so, so I think one, some of the aspects that you just mentioned, they're, they're part of, of why, why people are still interested in, in this case. And, and, uh, but what, what do you think? Why, what's so special about it that people are still interested in it? Uh, I, do these tours follow these tours are interested in the, in the case? Yeah. I think it's the one tour. It, it's, a, it's, it's a funny tour, actually, because uh, it's the one tour where the name is sufficient. Uh, the name Jack the Ripper, who, I mean, whoever came up with that name, obviously a journalist, but right. whoever came up with that name came up with a, you know, if, if, they, if they'd been able to patent that name, <laughs> put, put a trademark on it, they, they, yeah. they, 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 yeah, they, they'd have been millionaires, well, billionaires twice Probably, over. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that several things make Jack the Ripper popular, because if you think about it, I mean, Jack the Ripper, there have been worse murderers since, there's been more gruesome murders since, there's been, you know, but it's just, a, and I think it's the era that it happened in. Uh, yeah. it, it's that foggy Victorian thing. It's a real case, uh, which I think people now, pe people didn't so much understand it in the past. I think prior to the internet, uh, it's interesting to watch how people's mentality towards it has changed since the advent of the internet. Mm. Because prior to that, people had an inkling about it and they were fast interested about it. But I, really up until the centenary in 1988, there wasn't that much interest in the Jack Ripper tour. Mm. Uh, and then when the centenary happened, it started to get massive coverage. The Michael Caine film came out. Yeah. That, that caused a massive thing. And then it just snowballed from there. And I think it was the era. Uh, it's people's image of it. People think... Uh, and, uh, you know, it's gaslit, it's this mysterious figure. And of course, the fact he was never caught, it's the ultimate murder mystery. Definitely, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, as you say, it allows us to to get a, a glimpse into into a historic period, in a very detailed glimpse, if you like, because you have all these these reports and and you can you can really see how these people lived. I think this yeah. is definitely one part of, of, of the fascination. And yeah, I think the nice thing is it's far enough back as well. I think if, uh, for example, we just had an infamous serial killer here called the Yorkshire Ripper, who's, mm. who's just died. Yeah. And I think the point with him is that, uh, you know, if, if, if you did tours of him, it's too, it's too modern. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, uh, whereas Jack the Ripper's far enough back uh, that, that it's forgotten. I mean, obviously now it has been uh, to an extent. Uh, the, there's a movement to sort of rewrite uh, the story behind it. The, right. the, you know, the... the, 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 the uh, that they that the victims weren't prostitutes that misogyny has led them to being dub prostitutes and it's uh, it's male dominate male dominated uh, thing but uh, uh, in in a way i think that does the victims a great disservice because these women were forced into that lifestyle right. by what society had done to them right uh, so yeah. i think 
you, you have to really yeah look at, at, at history to to learn from history you have you have yep. to yeah understand these things and and put them into into context definitely and i think what is also interesting is because you uh, i mean this this might sound harsh but no one would probably remember these women if they weren't uh, the the victims of of, of a killer so yep. we get to know their lives we get to know uh, uh, how they lived how uh, their, their background and and again they, they're they're part of of london's history and and i Very think they would so. laugh if someone had told them back then you know we will remember you in 130 years or something like that. yeah yeah if yeah. you'd said to yeah because when you think of how many people in that area uh had equally harsh lives horribly harsh lives who we don't we just don't remember them no. and the, the paradox is we remember them because they were we, we remember their names because they were killed by a man whose name we don't know right and through that i mean they they basically have a better position in 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 history than the killer who, who murdered them so they they yeah. have more power than the man who acted out his power on them so i think i i, I think one can can see it in that way uh, and, yeah. and i think this is this is perfectly perfectly fine um yeah so uh, do, do you have a, a personal theo theory about who jack the ripper was <laughs> <laughs> i i always went with kuzmin i always thought kuzminski was was a, was a great suspect Purely and simply because uh, Anderson and Swanson both said, uh, well, Anderson doesn't name him, but mm. uh, hints who he was. Uh, Swanson does name him. Uh, Anderson, I've, I've always, uh, the more I know, learn about Robert Anderson, the less I trust him. Because mm. he, never, he never let the facts stand in the way of a good story. Uh, <laughs> but the problem for me is Swanson, because Swanson was, he, he, names, him, he names him as Kosminski in, in, the, in the marginalia. Mm. Uh, and... and uh, and he had he had no motive to lie. He wasn't writing that for any. That was notes kept in his personal retirement, uh, in a personal copy of the book that he, yeah. he never meant he never meant to make that public. Right. Uh, yeah. So and Swanson seems to have been a very genuine. I mean Adam Wood. I mean he's written the biography of Swanson. It's a fantastic biography, and uh, and and a lot of what uh, you know. And Swanson was a very uh, astute, very uh, honest officer. So uh, Swanson, I, I think. If it was just Anderson naming him, I would I would have my doubts. But Swanson uh, naming him uh, doesn't. But then again, I I, I the more I th the more I get to know about Kosminski, the, the less less he seems like a serial killer. He's not homicidal in the asylum, as far as we can tell. Uh, the worst the offence he did uh, is that he gets arrested for having an unmuzzled dog on the streets of yeah. London on, on yeah. Cheapside. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think, honestly, I think Thomas Cutbush is a much better suspect. Uh, I think Cutbush is the one. He doesn't get the coverage because Minsky gets. Mm. But certainly he's, 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 he's a contemporary suspect. He's named by the True Sun newspaper in 1894. Yeah. He's in Broadmoor Asylum. Uh, we know he was homicidal in the asylum because we know he was threatened to rip people up if he had knives. And we know he went to bite his mother's nose off when she went to visit him. Yes. So we do know that he was, he was uh, homicidal. And uh, I, I think a lot more could be done with him. But personally, I do think now, the more, more I look into it, the more I think he was a local person uh, whose name we'll never know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think so too. Um, and, and the thing is, we, we actually don't really want to know who he is because no, no. the mystery would actually go away. But at the same time, so many uh, people are, are kind of, of trying to find out who the Ripper was. I think this is, this is yeah. a bit, bit funny. Yeah. 
I think the great the great game is name, name the Ripper. And, uh, and the amazing thing is that every year a book will come out saying case solved, case yes. closed, case solved. <laughs> and then the next year, another book, comes out, case solved, case closed. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. I mean, we can't know now because we haven't got the evidence. Right. Uh, yeah. and, um, if you haven't got any evidence, you can't you could. There's nothing you could take to a court of law and say, yep, that, that proves 100 percent without uh, beyond reasonable doubt that that person was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Uh, and so consequently, you get these um, wild way out theories that uh, you get people who want to say their great great grandfather was Jack the Ripper. Right. <laughs> so personally, I, I want to keep that quiet. But <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. But it's, it's all very entertaining, uh, some of yeah. these theories. So. <laughs> I always bad. remember Martin Fido telling uh, Martin Fido had lunch with, a, a, with the publishers who published Stephen Knight's book. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the final solution. Mm -hmm. And I always remember Martin saying that uh, he, he was he was at lunch with them, and he said uh, he said, but you, it, it, Martin was one of those people who he, he never he never held back. If you know, if if Martin wanted to say something, he would say it. He he, he was he was a total academic. He was an Oxford mm -hmm. academic, and uh, he he would say things, and he didn't care. It wasn't he didn't care how, how it affected you. He never thought how it might affect you. It was just, as far as he was concerned, that's what he. And he said, "Well, he said, you know, you know that book's nonsense." He said, to Bob, "You know that book's nonsense." He said, uh, <laughs> "He said, well, no. he said, uh, he said, you know that Joseph Gold, the, he, he's confessed he made it all up, right. and it's complete nonsense." And apparently, the publisher's response to him was, "I know Martin, but it but sells." It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the game. That's yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's still entertaining and. Uh, Well, how how do you when when you do these tours? I mean, it, as you said, it changed th throughout the years. You started at Tower Hill, and now you start at Orgate East. And uh, how do you per perceive the the East End? Because some people still say that it's still very different. You know, sometimes you feel as if you're in another city or even in another country. But I would say one can even say that about every area of London in a, in a way. So, so would you agree with that? Or how do you p perceive the East, East End? I perceive the East, I find the East End fascinating because it's, uh, I mean, it's still got the very, you know, I mean, you know, people say, well, you know, I, I mean, we get comments on the YouTube channel. Some, oh, you know, it's not, it's, it's changed so much. It's not, uh, not English anymore, but it never was. The East yeah. End always was an immigrant district. It's, uh, it, was a, it was an area that was built on immigration. And I, and I love the vibrancy of it. I, I mean, I love the, I mean, I, I, I love that Whitechapel Road market, the, the market along Whitechapel Road yeah. going down past uh, the Working yeah. Lads Institute. Uh, it's fantastic when you go down there and you get the guys, you get the smells, you get the aromas. Uh, what I find fascinating about it is in some ways it's still more or less as it was in 1888. Everybody thinks that it was a, a poor area. Mm -hmm. They always say, oh, that, you know, that, that it was, a, you know, it was an area, but On the whole, Whitechapel was respectable. You know, Whitechapel wasn't a poor area. Whitechapel was quite a respectable area. Yeah. You had pockets in Whitechapel that weren't respectable. Uh, and you had pockets in Whitechapel that were completely poverty stricken, particularly the evil quarter mile around Commercial Street, mm. George Street, etc. cetera. Uh, but a lot, and a lot of the Whitechapel citizens or the Whitechapelonians at the time We're, we're furious at the way the press was portraying Whitechapel. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Canon Barnett made the point. He wrote in, he said, look, parts of Whitechapel are more respectable than the West End of London, uh, where the, their vices are hidden behind great wealth. Uh, yes. And it's, uh, But most of it, it, it was hardworking people. What I find fascinating is, I mean, Tower Hamlet's where it is. Is what probably the most, I think, it's, I think it is the most poverty, uh, the, the, it's got the highest rate of poverty and child poverty. 
Mm. Uh, certainly in London, I think it might even be in England that it's got that massive uh, It's got high incidences of TB. Uh, I think it's got one of the highest coronavirus um, uh, thing, things uh, at, at the moment. Uh, so you've got this area of great poverty, and yet the area where Jack the Ripper was, the area around Commercial Street, so Fournier Street, Wilkes Street, Princeton mm -hmm. Street, is one. Of, it, it's now massively wealthy. Those houses, you know, houses that were slum dwellings in 1888. Yes. Now you wouldn't get any change uh, out of one and a half million, maybe 1.8 million for those houses. Yes. Yeah. So you've got all these really wealthy people living there. Uh, but around them, I mean, one thing that amazes me when you walk along Wilkes Street, uh, <laughs> you can pass these you know, million pound houses, turn into Puma Court and there'll be junkies shooting up on one of the steps. <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> but it's also yes. British the way they do it. They, they, uh, I was there with a couple the other, uh, in just before lockdown. I was walking them around and we ran it and they're sitting on the step in jail. Oh, terribly sorry. <laughs> and they sort of turn and hit the hit, hit themselves shooting up. And the guy said, oh, so that could only happen in London. <laughs> you get polite junkies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Probably he's probably right. Yeah. So basically, there's still something left of, of the character or what we believe to be the character of, of 1888. In, 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 yeah, very much so. I mean, and there's still streets that have the atmosphere of 1888 that, yeah. uh, that when you walk down them. Uh, I mean, Fournier Street, that, that area there. And again, out towards the docks as well, when you get out towards the docks. I mean, one thing I did like about the Edgar Guide was, uh, was we, took, we, we went out to St. George's in the East and we did the town hall and yes. the mortuary where Elizabeth Stride's uh, uh, body was taken to. Uh, and where the photograph of it was taken, that famous photograph. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's the. I mean, it it is changing. Uh, uh, so, I mean, and I mean, I remember when I started, you still had the prostitutes in the area, which you don't you you don't get that anymore. As far as I know, you don't get that anymore anyway. Uh, but I, I always remember my favourite story to point out to the groups was when I was going round was that mm -hmm. the prostitutes always used to stand by the speed bumps, because. Um, if they stood on the uh, by the main roads, uh, the police would arrest them. Mm. Uh, when the cars when the cars slowed down, uh, the the police might uh, arrest the drivers for curb crawling. But if they stood by the speed bumps, the, the cars had to slow down. And at which point the cars would then lift up as they went over the speed bump, and then they could wave as if <laughs> wave to them. And then the drivers would sort of signal, and then they go go and get in the cars a little further down the street. Yeah. Uh, but I used to see that they used to come into the town. Well, the Jack the Ripper pub, as it then was, they, you know, that used to be their 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 their, their break stop, and they'd they'd all come in, and you know, you got to know them, and they'd uh, they they'd shout things to you like, "Say same again tonight, love, when you're finished." <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was it was it was all it was like a community. There was like a community, and I think that that aspect of it's gone now. That the local yeah. pubs are not community pubs. You know, in those days, you had places like the Alma, you had the uh, Seven Stars on Brick Lane, you had mm. the, 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 the um, uh, Frying Pan. That was mm. still a pub. Uh, that was run by an ex-boxer when I started. He was a great, great old guy. I always remember his blue, he either used to wear a blue or a yellow cardigan, and he'd be out behind the bar, and, uh, and, they, and all the locals were in there. And all the locals had worked for the craze. Oh, yeah, I remember the craze. Yeah, sure. I used to work for the craze. <laughs> and all the women, you say, my mum met Jack the Ripper. I always remember the number of times I get told, my mum met Jack the Ripper. Uh, but he let her off because she was a nice girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah this, this, is, this is gone, as, as least as far as I can, I can say. Yeah, I yeah. Been there back then, but yeah, it's not, 
not like that anymore. Yeah. yeah, I mean that aspect of it's gone, and and the pubs are not local pubs anymore. They're 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 pubs that you yeah. I mean, I think the one that's closest to what it used to be still like was the, is the Pride of Spitalfields. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that that's still got to an extent community in there. Yeah. But more and more and more, you're getting more of the internet companies now moving into Princeton Street, uh, Wilkes Street, uh, not Wilkes Street, uh, Hanbury Street. Uh, that section, uh, but that's what the East End does. It changes, uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, and the, the the people change, the clientele of the pubs change, but the atmosphere is still there. You know, it's uh, it's, it's still there. And a nice thing about places like that is they yeah. don't have jukeboxes or fruit machines. They are very much locals pubs, and it's conversation. I I, I agree. Uh, I agree uh, uh, with that. Um, so so uh, I, I I still find it kind of kind of exciting you know walking from for example from from mitre square to to goulston street uh, also because you kind of get a, a bit of a glimpse into into the network of streets and, and alleys yeah. and uh, what do you think and feel when you when you walk these streets has this changed since you you first started or is, this, is there still some kind of fascination or is this just has it changed and is it just a, a job if no. you like I still get that thrill, uh, that that thrill uh, of, of walking those streets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that, that area, going from Mitre Square, and you know, Mitre Square has changed a lot in the last three years, uh, et cetera, and all those, all those buildings on the route have changed. Mm. But it's still that intricate, you know, like twisting around the corners. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you twist, to, you go down Stony, Lay, Stony uh, Street, you go down, you pass White Kennet Street, uh, and then down New Goulston Street, and then suddenly, there's the block of flats where the clue was found that the apron was found in the doorway yeah uh, and and it's 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 still a thrill to me uh, to to do that to walk around yeah. that's the nice thing uh, again I, i keep going back to it that's the nice thing about the edgar guide is uh, on the tours themselves we go the opposite way we do the doorway first and then go to mitre square whereas the way we do it now is we go from mitre square and we follow that route yeah. and i'm um, coming up to mitre square as well we um we, we stop off at the place where charles ludwig Uh, as we come up Minories, Charles mm. Ludwig, uh, well, it's not the place because uh, that place has been demolished. Yeah. Uh, but but there's still a little alleyway there towards the top, which funnily enough, I didn't know until uh, I knew nothing about this alleyway. Uh, and I've just, uh, three uh, three Kings, I've just, I've just forgotten the name of it. Yeah, but, but uh, three things, something like that. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, but it's where uh, the, the police officer was walking past and he heard a woman scream. Right. And he went in and he found a, a man with a woman. He said, what are you doing? He said, nothing. And he sent the man away. Uh, and then the woman said, oh, he didn't off. He didn't off. Give me a fright when he pulled that knife out. And of course, that poor policeman yeah. <laughs> realized he might have had Jack the Ripper there, there, there and then. And he'd let him go. And uh, yeah. as it turned out, it was the, it was the German barber, uh, Charles Ludwig. Uh, but uh, but, it's, uh, but that, that passage, I, I, when Adam, Adam, it was Adam Wood who told me about that. When, when we were doing the book, he said, we should put the passage, maybe that passage where that him and Neil Bell had found it when they were down there and they'd done some great they'd some fun and i said I, i i don't know that passage i, I, I said are you sure <laughs> he said yeah and i remember walking there i was, I was when i was walking it i thought there's no passageway here and then just before you get to Allgate high street there's this narrow passageway on the on the, on the right and then as i say and then and, and adam was right he'd actually got it <laughs> I'm, i'm gonna gonna visit it the next time when I'm, yeah I'm there, yeah It's and it's so sinister I, i filmed it the other day i went down there and filmed it and it is it really is it's, it's when you walk into it you think Ooh. and you just hear the tw you know the, the, the traffic just disappears <laughs> so so why do you think we we kind of still try to 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 recreate this relive this i mean the people who join the tours they they still they also do the same thing in a way why do you think is that i 
I think it's just a fascination. I mean, I, I've always been puzzled by it. It's always something, you know, because obviously when, you, when you're marketing something like a tour, you, the first rule of marketing and promotion is know your audience. Yes. Uh, but it's, 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 it's almost impossible to know a Jack the Ripper audience because there is not a typical audience that you should be aiming for. It's something that's universal. And I think it's, the, A, I think it is the name, but B, I think that people genuinely want, it's a mystery that everybody's been with, it's, it's been through people's lives. You, you know, everybody's had it perhaps since childhood mm -hmm. uh, about Jack the Ripper. And so consequently, and I, I can't, I don't think there's any other serial killer uh, or, or sequence of, of murders mm -hmm that have that fascination for people yes. and a lot of time it's not even about the murders themselves it's about what what the murders throw up what they reveal about people yes. uh, and i mean one of the things that I, I remember when 1988 there was a lot of controversy over the jack the ripper pub and several people uh, feminist groups marched on the mm -hmm. pub uh, and uh, and fair enough i mean ernie who was the landlord then he 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 did go a bit over the top in the centenary like dyeing his beer red and sending the ripper tipple and stuff like that. yeah i think like he's that. Did that. yeah i have read that's in in in, in yeah. The book, yeah so he but he so he did and that's why the name was changed back by the brewery to the 10 bells from the jack the ripper uh but one of the things that's interesting on the tour is if you actually come on a typical jack the ripper tour um most of the clients are women mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's it, it's it, women are fascinated by the by by, by the by the sub, subject. Yeah, uh, that's a paradox that I've I've never I've never uh, I've, I've never quite understood. If you, when we look at the bookings, you know, mostly it will be done uh, uh, now. Whether it's because it, if it's a couple taking it, the the, the woman's booked the tour. Yeah. I, I don't know, but uh, but certainly you know, yeah, you, you get the people in the offices and they they are fascinated by it and. And honestly, I can't. It's one of the things I'd love to explain it, but I can't. <laughs> no, but yeah, if maybe yeah, neither can I. Maybe they they want to. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but you you already said that I I believe you distinguish between the Whitechapel murderer and and Jack the Ripper basically. Yeah, 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 very much so. And I think we have to. Uh, I, I used to put a, a question on on the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. uh, was uh, you know if we found out who wrote the letter, would we know who Jack the Ripper was? Uh, and so many people say, no, 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 it would never, you know, because, yeah. the because the letter wasn't written by Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and I'd always go back and said, well, it was written by Jack the Ripper because he signed it, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and of course, the point there is that whoever wrote that letter was not Jack, was not the Whitechapel murderer. No, no. Uh, yeah. It was Jack the Ripper, but it wasn't the Whitechapel murderer. Yeah. Because uh, the letter's what gave the murderer, uh, what gave the murderer his, his, his name. Yeah. Uh, so consequently, we have to sort of separate the Whitechapel murders from the name Jack the Ripper because yeah. they were under Jack. Now, whoever the murderer was, he, cer he certainly wasn't named Jack the Ripper. <laughs> no, no. But the, the, the name helped to, to turn the murder, murders into a legend and, and, and yeah. into creating this, this big thing. Do you think any of the, of the letters were, were genuine, anything? Or maybe the Pers From Hell letter? Yeah, personally, I don't. Uh, there are people who say, yeah, the fr From Hell letter was genuine because the kidney was Catherine Edo's kidney. Yeah. Uh, they often quote Cedric Saunders as well, the uh, curator at the Pathological Museum at London Hospital, saying, mm -hmm. well, he said it was her kidney. And all that's talk about Bright's disease and everything. Uh, he, he never said any such thing. He said he, could, he said he couldn't say whether it was male or female. Yeah. Uh, and he said it had been preserved in spirits of alcohol. Of course, the problem for us today is that we don't have the kidney anymore so we there's no way we could uh, we can look at it and say so yeah. uh, of all the letters that's the one that many people think was, was genuine personally i don't think it was i think it was a medical student hoax but uh, yeah. 
And I think Mr. Lasky also had some kind of, of, of stalker one or two. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it was Lusk. one of them. Out. Yeah. The thing about Lusk was that pe pe a lot of people forget is that he was he was in the news an awful lot from the first two weeks in October. Yeah. He was petitioning the Home Secretary, Henry Matthews, for a reward. And he wrote to Queen Victoria and the newspapers, because he'd written to the Queen, the newspapers were fascinated and his name was in the papers a lot. Yeah. So... And then he got this stalker around about the 10th of October. He got this strange man who kept turning up. And, <laughs> and, he, and a lot of people forget he, he actually got another letter a few days before that, that there was another letter uh, yeah. addressed. Uh, and he did uh, so that. But the fact was that, that letter had the kidney in it. And, uh, and, and so that's what caused the, the, the debate and what causes the debate today. Personally, I don't think it was. But mm. as I always say, the one certainty about Jack the Ripper is nothing is certain. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Is there something like like one fact or witness account or anything like that in the whole case that that baffles you the most, where you really want to find out what what really happened? Uh, I think yeah. yeah, I think Joseph Lavender. I, oh yeah, I think Lavender uh, and and Schwartz as well, perhaps Israel Schwartz, who saw the man attack the woman. Uh, Schwartz, I found interesting because of the presence of the second man as he crossed mm -hmm. the street uh, mm -hmm. and the shout of Lipsky and then apparently the second man followed him, albeit the evidence suggests the police did trace the second man and rule him out of, uh, of having an involvement. Yeah. Uh, Lavender I find interesting because uh, I, I think Lavender, and again, Anderson doesn't say who the witness was who identified this, his suspect, the low-born Polish Jew, mm. but he does say that he was identified. Uh, and again, Swanson, although he says the witness wouldn't testify, he again doesn't name the witness. Personally, I think that witness was Joseph Lavender. Yeah, I think uh, and I do know from research that later on, Lavender was being called in in the 1890 when they got other suspects in. Mm -hmm. Lavender was certainly still on the police radar. Yeah. What what perplexes me about Lavender is Lavender always said he would not be able to identify the man again were he to be confronted by him, and yet he does give quite a detailed description of him. <laughs> So, yes. so that that that's what I find it. I I, I would I, I would actually like to see what the vendor actually did say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, yeah, I think. Or what do you think? What what did Israel Schwartz see? Did he did he see the attack on Elizabeth Stride, or was it something else? I mean, this is a very confusing moment in 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 on the, in this evening, and she was yeah. seen with with various men over the the course of the night. Yeah, I mean, she, she, her last night is quite well testified. You know, people see her. She gets seen by the uh, two men outside the Bricklayer's Arms on Settle Street. Yeah, uh, she's she's in the uh, Queen's Head pub uh, at, at six thirty in the evening. Uh, so she's here, and then she's seen by the man uh, by Israel Schwartz. Uh, I personally, I think he must he he probably did see the attack beginning mm -hmm. because um, I she was her body was found 15 minutes later uh, yeah. so i think for two such violent attacks to take place in that time on, on the same woman in the same location uh so i think he, he did see the early attack yeah uh, but it's that second man a israel schwartz when he crosses the road uh he doesn't want to get involved then apparently the man attacking the woman shouts lipsky uh, schwartz thought to the second man although he couldn't be certain and then the second man appeared to follow him and yeah. schwartz panicked and ran because uh, the problem with Schwartz is that he didn't sp he didn't speak English. Right. Uh, he, he so what he did was done through an interpreter. Yeah. So uh, so again, we don't know was the interpreter filling in the blanks with Schwartz. Uh, with, uh, so I said there's all sorts of problems. But I think because of course what he suggested that there was uh, that second man. Yeah. Why didn't the second man go and intervene? Uh, you know because there's two men who see this woman being attacked. Yes. And 
neither of them appear to want to help her. They, 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 they both appear to leave the scene and left her being attacked by the man. Yeah. And uh, so it'd be interesting to know what the police thought about that. I mean, did the police think, well, why did you leave the scene? And it seems the police did trace that second man yeah. uh, and they ruled him out. So, but of course we don't know because we haven't got the evidence. And this is all, yeah, this is all part of the, of the, of the, of the, the, the mystery. And I think it's yeah. just, just like, you know, the, the movements of, of Mary Kelly on her last night and the side when, when she was seen in, on the morning of the murder, when she actually must have been dead already or probably was dead and yeah. was someone else. I think this is all part of the, of the, the big mystery. Yeah, there are so many mysteries in it. That, uh, and the problem with it, it's, 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 like a, it's like a pimple or a sore on your face. <laughs> you know, if, you keep, if you keep picking it, <laughs> it you, know, you think, oh, well, if I just look into this, it'll, I'll solve it. Yeah, and then you yeah, look yeah. into it and you've picked the sore and it's got bigger and you think, oh, no. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Do you think the, the, um, the message in Goulston Street came, came from the killer? No, I, I think the message was already there. Uh, the apron certainly did because it was Catherine mm -hmm. Edo's apron. Mm -hmm. I think it's a complete coincidence he dropped the apron in the doorway. Uh, and the thing is, again, what a lot of people don't realize is that there was a lot of anti-Semitic graffiti yeah. appearing over the streets. Uh, so it was uh, there'd been a bit in the wake of Annie Chapman's murder, and it wasn't just one one off. And I, I think it was, and that block of flats was lived in exclusively by uh, Jewish families, mm. uh, well, almost exclusively. Uh, and I just think somebody had scored it on the wall. Uh, it, police officers who saw it say it looked faded, as though it had been there for some time. Yeah. I think, I think, had the apron been dropped in, a, in another doorway, we would not, we'd not be thinking of it, uh, of the graffito. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a giant red herring. But, yeah, uh, probably. Uh, uh, do, do you think the, the apron was, was left there after 2.20 a.m., which means that the killer must have lurked there in the area for, for quite a long time? I, I think... Alfred Long didn't didn't find the apron when he was uh, in in Ghost Street, like thirty. No, and neither, neither interesting enough, neither did uh, Daniel House, uh, right. Inspector yeah. Daniel House from the City Police, because he was uh, the first thing he did when he because he was when the body was found, he was orchestrating a plane close patrol around all Saint Botolph's Church, and he uh, went to the square, and he then ran off and he searched he searched all the streets to Goulston Street and he said he'd gone through Goulston Street and the apron hadn't been there mm. uh, and Long said he passed through at 220 and the apron hadn't been there mm. uh, so that uh, that begs the question what, what was the in fact, was the killer still in the area yeah. uh, at the time and, uh, and of course the other thing problem well, he, he might have been he might have been you know there's there's a lot of dark alleyways to hide in down there yeah. Yeah. But uh, so certainly, yeah, and uh, uh, there's a possibility that it was there and they missed it. Uh, but then why would Long miss it at 2.20 and then right. find it at 2.55? So uh, it's, uh, yeah. But again, it, that, 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 that illustrates exactly what happens when you start <laughs> looking right. into something. Yeah. Uh, you, you create a bigger mystery. Right, yeah. Would you have wanted to live back then? <laughs> <laughs> I would have, uh, I probably would have hated it. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I don't know. Uh, you I, I, this is another thing I think we have a problem with is we tend to look back. Uh, we we tr there's, there's a, a tendency now to judge the past mm. by the norms of the present. Mm, yeah, uh, sure. yeah. Uh, I mean, we look at the lifestyle of the people in the area, like you'd look at the victims and you think, oh, horrible, horrible lives they led, whatever. But on the whole, you know, you look at them and they were quite, you know, like, yeah, they, 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 they were alcoholics, whatever. And, uh, But they seem to have been quite quite jolly, uh, you know. You look, you look at Mary Nichols, right. Elizabeth Stride certainly was. Mm. Uh, they they seem to be, you know. And it's basically the life the lifestyle you you're living. Yeah. You know, 
as humans, we adapt to, to our mm -hmm. situation. And of course, I think a lot of people, I think if I went back, I, I would hate it. But if I was born into it, I'd probably just grow used to it. And it's, uh, and it, it's probably quite a, it's probably yeah. quite a hard life. Yeah, yeah. But it was probably quite, you know, there's a lot, a lot of colourful, a lot of colour in the streets, going to the street markets and yeah. Whitechapel Road. I would love to go down Whitechapel Road on a Saturday night when yeah. the gas lamps were flaring and all the uh, waxworks were open and everything. That, that would have been, uh, must have been, yeah. Quite interesting. I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. The spell would have the smell would have knocked me flat, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, um, I mean, yeah, and 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 the murders are, are Jack the Ripper. If we if we distinguish between them, uh, the, the he's still kind of present in 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 the East End since then. Um, and and what would you say? How did did the murders murders shape London or shape the image of of London or maybe the East End in in a way? Did they shape the image? I, I don't think they did much. I mean, it's often said that Jack, the Jack the Ripper murders changed the conditions in the area, mm. which is completely untrue because they didn't. Mm. Uh, they certainly highlighted conditions in the area, but it, conditions really didn't. I mean, the London County Council had just been founded and it was the founding of the London County Council that started to change the conditions mm. because, you, you know, you had a lot of uh, socialist and uh, Labour politicians who became quite uh, quite prominent in the in East End politics, and they, they were the ones who started to change it. Jack the Ripper didn't didn't really change anything in the area. Mm. I think what Jack the Ripper did was create a sort of um, imagery of the East End, which mm. is still with us. Uh, that's why we think the East End of the East Enders being the slumland uh, yeah. because of the Jack the Ripper murders, because that's what got highlighted. Yeah. Whereas um, there were places in Southwark, uh, Marylebone, Notting Hill, which are probably as bad, if not worse, than the East End of London. Yeah. Yeah, he represented the every fear basically that yeah uh, was the personification in a way of, of every fear of the East. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and every prejudice about the East End that 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 was Jack the Ripper. So right. it's uh, he almost yeah. picked the the perfect area if yeah. if it was by choice. <laughs> yeah, so maybe the the murders didn't shape London that much, but the other way around, the murders were were yeah. shaped by by London in, in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people at the time said that it, it's the conditions in the area. That have created yeah. this murderer this monster yeah. yeah definitely yeah so you 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 also did a documentary about the ripper murders and and you've been an advisor and, and a guest on tv productions not only about the ripper but but also about haunted london programs for example yep what was the most exciting program you've worked on uh oh <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean, I'm unmasking Jack the Ripper, uh, mm. the, the document, because uh, uh, largely because I, I, I co-produced that with Mark Upstall. Uh, That's two of us uh, producing it, mm. and uh, I, I did uh, I, I did enjoy that because that was uh, that was nice to sort of to to, to have complete creative control over it, yeah. which we the ones I've done for the Discovery of History Channel, I, I haven't had complete creative control, uh, and of course you never know how it's going to be edited. So, so you, you might make a really valid point. Uh, oh, I've just dropped. You might make a really valid point, but uh, it gets edited out at the editing stage and you're left saying something totally stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you think, I, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, yeah. But I think that was nice because I had creative control. But I, I, I think I, I did an episode of Most... Oh, not an episode. I did a, a Most Haunted. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a Most Haunted Live in 2005. It was the last one I did. And uh, th that that was quite an experience because we did it. Th I think we did it over four nights over Halloween, but it was the hunt for Jack the Ripper uh, over Halloween. That was fascinating. That was that was really good because it was it was live TV and it was done with a medium, Derek Akora, who would go out and 
and do the do the investigations on, on location uh, and i'd be in the studio sort of uh, picking up stuff mm-hmm. and that was it i mean I, I will say that in the whole four days jack was conspicuous by his absence <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't really get, get get much but but it was quite interesting to actually watch location that and again see the fashion i think that was one of the best watched of the tv shows that that, that halloween Right. Uh, it was watched all over the world. Uh, millions tuned. It, I think we, we broke a million of viewers on that one. Okay. Uh, so it went through that, which was, I mean, normally I think we'd get about 300,000, maybe 200,000, 300,000. Uh, it went, varied over the night. Uh, but that one, we, we really did pick, uh, pick up the viewers on that. And it was, uh, and the interesting thing about it was uh, the internet hadn't quite, it was, the internet was just started to catch on then. So we didn't quite, we didn't quite have, you know, I certainly didn't have access to the internet mm. and I became very aware that every fact that I was looking at, which I had to know uh, when it came to me, people at home were Googling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was quite never. But I thought what, what was quite interesting about it was that you could always, you always knew we didn't, we didn't really have emails as such. We had faxes coming in. So people would send faxes in uh, questions and you always knew when the pubs had closed on those because uh, 1130, there would be a, an abundance of faxes coming in that they'd be <laughs> they'd be obscene, you know. They make really <laughs> and really critical because yeah. everyone had just got home from the pub and switched off. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get the most amazing one faxes come through, but I mean, some of them we just couldn't. They, they, were, they were just too rude to air on live TV. We couldn't do it. Yeah, we get closed down by off off offcom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this I, I can imagine this. Uh, but must have been uh, some time ago when there was still fax machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was 2005. I left, and it's okay. uh, fun, funnily enough, though, people people still remember those um, those most hauntings. That, uh, as I say, but I, I did it 2003 to 2005. Okay. And yeah. uh, we went all over the country, and I, 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 and it, it, it was fantastic. It was it was a brilliant time. That, uh, uh, as I say, it was. Uh, I must say, on that one, Jack was certainly conspicuous by his absence. <laughs> Maybe because it was Jack the Ripper and not the Whitechapel murderer. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a historian once said that London writes us as we write about it. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, I, I think you know London is. Uh, you know, when you start writing about London, uh, the, the the story, it, it, London's it's its own writer. You know, mm. you, you you can start writing about a specific location or topic in London. But inevitably, you get taken over. It almost possesses you, and it's yeah. uh, it's a bit like automatic writing. Mm. The, the spirit of London uh, goes through you and, uh, and 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 sets the story. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'd agree one hundred percent. All right. Yeah. So and and as as a tour guide, walking the city is part of your your everyday business and has been for decades. And would you agree with that that walking is is the, one of the best ways ways to approach London? Yeah, it's the only way. I uh, think so too. Well, yeah. Yeah, when when you walk, you really get the feel. And the nice thing about London is that L- London isn't London isn't London. Uh, it's made up of lots of tiny mm. locales and villages. And I, I that that came really across when I was writing Walking Dickensian London because mm. uh, I started off in the Far East and I just spent twelve weeks walking across London every day. And it's when you do it like that you start to see how the different areas, the different yeah. flavors. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. And you you can't do that on a bus. You can't do that in a car. 
uh, you can't certainly can't do it on the underground. You've got to walk it right. and uh, and get lost. You've got to get lost in London. Yes. Ne- don't, don't you know? Just just spend a couple of days not knowing where you're going. Just set off walking. You can't really get lost in London because sooner or later you'll come to an underground station or a bus stop. Yeah. Uh, but just set up and walk. I mean, check the area you're going to walk through first, of course, just to make sure that they are <laughs> safe to walk through. <laughs> I mean, this place I, will, I certainly went. But now on the whole, you know, you, you'll yeah. make some fantastic discoveries if you just get lost in London. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. There's this this great saying, maybe I even have this from, from one of your videos uh, of, I think it's Dr. Johnson, when a man is tired of London, he's tired of yeah. life. Have you ever become tired of London in all these years? Probably. No, so that's that's why I'm that's why I'm still alive. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't think you can get tired of it. I think uh, it's because uh, he uh, what does he say? He goes on to say, "For there is in London everything, uh, something yeah. to, everything mm-hmm. that life requires," uh, and it has, you know, because uh, once you're bored with one one aspect of it, if you think, "Oh, you know, oh yeah," then it's uh, it's a bit like The Walking Dead. You know, you mm-hmm. can, you know, you, you you get bored of one bit, but then you find another bit that you turn a corner and you think, "Wow!" and then it's picked up again. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Let, let's just hope you'll never get tired, but I don't think you will. That's it. <laughs> uh, I have some final questions to finish our, our conversation. I mean, I could talk with you for hours, but uh, maybe on another time for on another topic. So the first question would be, what is your favorite place in London? Or do you have a favorite place in London? I do. I do. I would say it's got to be the Inns of Court. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I just adore it. I mean, uh, of all the places, I mean, I, I, London in general, I love, but the Inns of Court, I just think they're so special. Mm. Uh, and there's, uh, you, you, I don't think, you, I don't think you find anything like them anywhere else in the world. Uh, you've just got that knot of that little area mm. uh, that it's almost an enclave. It's almost, a, it's almost collegiate. It's almost like being in Oxford or Cambridge, but yes. it's the lawyers' district around Chancery Lane and Holborn, and I think just walking through the Inns of Court I just uh, yeah so I would say the Inns of Court and of the Inns of Court I would say uh, my favorite two are Lincoln's Inn and Middle Temple okay yeah good to know <laughs> uh, are, are there there's still places you you want to research I mean you said that there's always more to explore but is there something where you say I still want to find out more about this area or this place Oh, very much so. Yeah. Not Notting Hill's an area, Portobello Road, that area. Mm-hmm. It's one area for about 15 years now. I've been thinking I must get to know more about Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done I've done some filming around there and I've walked around there. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I love that area. And uh, you've got uh, and then you've got the little part of Holland Park where you've got all the stars. Jimmy, Jimmy Page lives down there. You've got Robbie Williams living opposite. Yeah. I found one of my favorite stories there is that Robbie Williams took over Michael Winner's house uh and that that's now robbie williams house it used to be the home funnily enough of luke fields who was the uh, illustrator who got the commission when he was a very young illustrator he got the commission to do the illustrations for charles dickens the mystery of edwin drood oh. and uh, when he <laughs> and he, he was delighted he went to, he wrote to his mother saying my my ship is in i uh, i am now uh, uh, and And of course, he did. A, he did. I think he did one or two, and then Dickens dropped dead. So he never got, that was Luke Fielder. But my favorite thing about that house is when Robbie Williams bought it. Jimmy Page lives opposite, mm. and Jimmy Page actually blocked him, blocked him for planning permission for some of the extensions because it would make too much noise. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought the idea of Jimmy Page too much noise. It's, it's too loud. It's too loud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Why? Why not? Yeah. Um, My my final question would be: Can you name three Londoners that you would have dinner or a drink with from ah, throughout history? From history, Charles Dickens would be definitely be one. 
Charles Dickens has got to be one. Yeah. Uh, do you mean born Londoners or people who lived in London? Because Charles Dickens wasn't, wasn't born in London. No, not, not necessarily born. Maybe. Okay, so Charles Dickens would be one. Dr. Johnson would be another. And William Shakespeare would be my third. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good choice. I, I'll pass it on. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'd love to have a drink with William Shakespeare. I think William Shakespeare would be a great drinking buddy. Dr. Johnson, I wouldn't be able to have a chat with him because he'd just, he'd, he'd just hold the conversation, dominate it. Yeah. And Charles, Charles Dickens, I'd just, uh, uh, it'd be several drinks with Charles Dickens because he, he could never sit still for long enough to have a couple of pints with. He'd be off to the next pub. <laughs> yeah, you can do a pub crawl with him. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, thank you very much richard thank for you wonderful conversation uh as i said if you if you like i would love to have you back maybe for another conversation i'd love to yeah on another topic maybe maybe dickens maybe haunted london uh we'll see for the viewers out there there are uh, these are edgar's walking guides i'm going to show them again uh these are richard's newest books together with uh with that he did together with adam wood and uh, i think as i said that they are brilliant and um If you ever wanted oh, thank you. To, to go to the old curiosity shop that is not the old curiosity shop immortalized <laughs> by Charles Dickens or meet the ghosts of, uh, of the fires of Smithfield, um, these are your guides. And of course, there is one uh, book about Jack the Ripper's East End. Uh, don't you think people might not join your tours now and, and instead do the tours? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that, that was something we did discuss when we, when we came up with the idea. Because Adam did say to me, well, what if they don't come on the tours? But to be honest, I, I, I think the book complements the tour. Yeah. Uh, because the tours, by nature, it's confined to an area. Whereas that book isn't. That, book's a, that book is a four-hour tour of the right, East End yeah. of London. And you go everywhere in that book. Yeah. And the idea is that you, know, you, you, can, you can do it in your own time. You can do it as one complete walk, uh, if you want. I mean, I, I've done it now three times as one complete walk. It, it is exhausting, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's doable. Uh, yeah. But you can also come back to it as well. I've also done it this way, where you can... The nice thing is that you can do the section all gate east to Whitechapel. Then you're at Whitechapel Station, so you can take a break and go go have a day off. Come back to Whitechapel Station, pick it up. Do Whitechapel Station through to... Um, 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 Cable Street yeah, and yeah. then you've got the Shadwell Docklands Light Railway there uh, come back the next day and then go Cable Street through to uh, Allgate East uh, go to Allgate sorry Allgate then go to Allgate Station and then do the last section on your final day so you can do it over four days if you want that's true and the nice thing is that you all you you include the These, these lovely pubs where you can have a, Fantastic, have a drink on yeah. the way or even start or stop. So, yeah. Yeah. Although there is one pub that uh, is on there. It's, it's on there. It's, it's done as a recommendation, but it's a pub called the Good Samaritan, mm -hmm. which is behind the London Hospital. Yeah. And when I, was, when I was doing it, I was bursting for the toilet. I really, I was desperate for the toilet. And I nipped in and I said, could I use your toilet? And she said, no, sorry. Uh, 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 it's COVID restrictions. You can't. Ah. I said, uh, I said, well, just the toilet, though. She said, no, no, no. She said, yeah, you, you might, uh, customers. I said, you haven't got any customers. <laughs> She said, yeah, but I can't let you. I said, uh, I said, okay. Uh, it just struck me as I was leaving. I was going to turn back and say, you know, you're not a very well-named pub, are you? The Good Samaritan. <laughs> so, Definitely, yeah. But it's, it's a it is a nice pub and it's, uh, it, it makes a nice break. And there's lots of pubs on, you know, uh, on, on the route that, uh, and of course we finish it in the 10 bells where you can just go to the 10 bells. And as we say, you can raise a glass to the memory of the five women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember when I was there for the first time, it, it felt a bit special, although yeah, yeah, it's, it's more of a, 
you do it for yourself not really because there is yeah. anything left but yeah it is a bit special yeah so um as i said if if you dear viewers are interested go and visit richard's tours they are wonderful and uh, he offers them as virtual tours right now uh, i'm going to put a link uh, to his websites into the description uh, and i'm also going to put a link i wanted to mention them to one or two of your poems and, and videos and oh thank you because yeah. you, are, you also write poems and there are some i do indeed on, on youtube uh, yes indeed yeah and in the in the haunted uh, london book i think there are also two two poems of yours that's it you see i hmm? there's no there's no stopping me i have to get everything i write in <laughs> and you do it you do it perfectly perfectly fine perfectly well so thank you very much richard for thank you time. thank you for for being here and um yeah it was great great to to have you today it's an absolute pleasure your time and place thank you, thank you all right thank you for listening to talks beyond time and place my name is Philip Rettgas. My guest was Richard Jones. Music by Brian Kolacik.